This is About to Drop, a podcast where I interview independent artists about music that they're about to release. In each episode, I'll have a conversation with a new artist to talk about where they came from, how they got started in music, and most importantly, what they're going to be releasing next. We'll cover all sorts of topics, including the writing process, recording, producing, and even things like marketing, branding, and promotion. So thanks for tuning in, and let's get started with the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of About to Drop. I'm your host, Baro, aka Vertigo, and I'm here today with Aftab Hafiz. How you doing, man? Good, how are you doing? Good, good. Did, did I say that right? I want, you know, I don't want to butcher it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's Aftab Hafiz, you got it right. All right, cool. <laughs> Uh, so how's it going, man? How uh, how's your day been? Yeah, it's been it's been good. Just productive, working on music, um, and yeah, I can't complain. Mm-hmm. Still indoors. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're you're a producer primarily, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, as a as a film composer too. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I'm I produce too. So I'm I've been in quarantine mode for quite a while before the quarantine actually started. <laughs> So it's not too much different for, for me over here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what have, what have you been working on today? Today, um, actually, I'm doing this animation called Piccolo. Um, we're almost done with it, and it's being produced by Tony Gapastone. Um, he's the founder of Brave Maker Media. Uh, so I've been working on that for a while. Um, hopefully, I'll get most of it done this week. Uh, but yeah, so I've been working on that, um, and also Blackwater, um, which is one of the tracks I'll talk a little bit more about as well. For for the animation, just out of curiosity, like, is the process for scoring that any different than doing other film? Um, yeah, animation is has a little bit of a difference when scoring film. Um, I think you can use a little bit more imagination. Um, so that's the fun part. Most animations I do are shorter as well. Uh, so in some ways, that can make it easier. Because um, sometimes you can, like right now, um, pretty much all the scores within one Logic Pro session for this animation. So you don't have to break it down into you know queue by queue, which I tend to do for more bigger projects like films I've been working on. But um, yeah, animations, I they, you can have a lot of fun with them. So. Mm-hmm. Is it um? How, how long is it? The animation is about ten minutes. Okay, that's for animation. It's like a pilot for hopefully what will become a series. Um, it's about a a piccolo, so like the smallest instrument in an orchestra, and it has a deeper message of uh, I guess you could call it anti-bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, the piccolo is kind of it's. He's trying to find his way into into the orchestra. Um, and I, I don't want to give the spoiler though. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, so it's the protagonist is the piccolo. Mm-hmm. Are you featuring a piccolo when you're writing it? I am. Yeah, yes. we're going to record a live piccolo player. Mm-hmm. Are you so for a lot of like even the film stuff? Are you doing? Is it mostly like virtual instruments that you're using, or do you write stuff for like actual players and go out and get them recorded? I try to, well, I, I always sketch it with with um, virtual instruments. I tend to use a lot of east-west instruments, um, the Cole Composer Cloud Suite. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been pretty useful. 
Um, but then if there's like a budget, then yeah, we'll record live instruments. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I always, my go-to is with the virtual instruments. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. You know, instead of spending everyone's time trying to figure out exactly how you want it to go. Um, for, for the times that you are able to use, you know, a live orchestra and things like that, do you, are you, uh, conducting as well or do they send that off to someone else to do? Yeah, fortunately I haven't had to do much conducting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I've done small, like with small quartets conducting, but, um, I haven't really, I haven't gone yet to conduct like a full orchestra. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. I think that stuff is so interesting because, uh. Like I come, we we talked the other day, but like I come from like a classical background, so you know I, I think uh, it's very cool how you how all of that stuff gets used, especially for like film scoring, and you know it gets really deep and heavy. And I think it's really interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyway, so like, um, why don't we like why don't we jump right into it? Can you tell me a little bit about you know your whole backstory, where you're from, how you got started in music? Um, you know, all the steps you've taken to get you to where you are today. Yeah, so I'm originally from Sacramento, California, the capital, and uh, more recently I've been living in San Francisco. Uh, but I started back really in 2002, uh, pretty much I was working with underground rappers um, and using FL Studio at the time, it was called Fruity Loops, mm -hmm. and really that where launched my whole production career. Um, then worked with, you know, artists that, and we ended up opening with, um, Tech Nine in Sacramento, that's around like 2010, I think. And, um, then, yeah, pretty much I moved to San Francisco to study music and sound for film, uh, and visual media in general, um, at Academy of Art. And, yeah, so after that, I transitioned really to a lot of orchestral music, um, that was, is a very different world. So I'd start to score animations, short films, um, some involvement in the VR world, video game world. Um, still am, um, even in other things like UI sound for apps and um, yeah, for applications. So I'm doing some of that as well, actually. But um, yeah, still all the while producing and. Yeah, I was working at Paul and Music Group until recently, um, so I was there for about a year and nine months or so. Um, and they're just to give some context, like they um, they're Emmy winning production house. They've scored Pearl, which was the first VR experience to win an Oscar, um, and yeah, just a lot of other really cool things that are pioneering the VR um, spatial audio world as well. So. Um, yeah, and then now I'm working with a production company called Medina Papel, and I do the music for them. They have an animation by the same name as well, Medina Papel. Um, and then through them, I'm also producing the song Black Water. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I can talk a little bit about that song as well. Oh yeah, um, for sure, for sure. But yeah, just to like get a little bit like deeper into like your history. So did, did you have a start in music before getting into Fruity Loops and doing hip-hop? Like, um, like where did you get your foundation from? Yeah, I was playing instruments since I was little, like, I think three or so. I was playing violin briefly. Um, and then I, my real first instrument was piano, which I've basically played 
since like I was seven or whatnot. And um, I took other, like I'm a beatboxer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, tabla drums, like the classical Indian drums, played briefly that. I'm not like a fantastic musician at that though. But yeah, so I've, I've had a musical background. Um, then I remember the exact day that I decided to produce music. Mm-hmm. I, was, I just remember I listened to a lot of music on the radio. And back then it was like Dr. Dre or uh, you know, Timbaland's music, mm-hmm. um, Manny Fresh. <laughs> and that, that just it really resonated with me a lot. Um, I just knew that I wanted to make that kind of music, and I happened to find a demo CD of Fruity Loops 3, um, so I just installed it, and actually before that I was using, I'd right-click on the desktop on like Windows 98 mm-hmm. and do the sound recording oh. file into the beatbox and loop that, um, and I stepped up to FL um, and used that for like 14 years until I switched to Logic Pro, wow. um, but yeah, that's kind of some of the music experience. Mm-hmm. That got me into this. And um, you, uh, when you, when you went to school for music, uh, did you also you also took like a different path, right? Like you didn't go to school just to study music, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so when I did my undergrad, I was at Sac State, Sacramento State University, and I minored in music, but my major was in cognitive psychology, and then I went on to do some like neuroscience, like as a research assistant at. Um, at UC Davis, and um, yeah, the idea was actually to go into like music research, like as in music psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, I, I yeah, that was um, like we were talking earlier. I just felt there's just a gaping hole in my soul, and I really had to go full fledgedly towards making music. Um, and that's what maybe changed routes to actually study. Um, a master in music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a little bit of also the route, how that happened. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's always interesting how people, you know, arrive at where they get to, and it's always not, It's well, it's never like a, a straight shot, right? It's always like zigzagging and trying things out and having things not work out. Um, just, you know, as another side question, have you found that the things that you had studied with in regards to like psychology and neuroscience do you apply any of that to the music making process is there any like parallels or correlations yeah um a lot of times i don't consciously think oh i remember learning about whatever like how but it it actually just finds its way a lot of times in in my music making process or just in general like what i'm doing in music and sound um I mean, for like, yeah, definitely. Now that I think about it, um, <laughs> so like, say for example, how we, what makes something memorable, right? Uh, that's a huge thing for us as content creators in general. And um, from what I've learned and from neuroscience, for example, <laughs> so I'll go into neuroscience, but so the literature. Please do, man. Please do. I think it, yeah. I think this stuff is fascinating, really. So yeah, so it has a lot to do with um, the, the encoding of our memory. It has to do with a part of our brain called the hippocampus. And the hippocampus lights up when we perceive things that are um, very, uh, have a he- potential high impact on our life. Like maybe something is scary or something's funny or, um, in other words, in 
neuroscience terms, something that peaks our arousal, um, then that's what makes our hippocampus light up. And when that happens, that facilitates the encoding of memories. So I like to tell people, like, if they want to learn something, uh, you want to make, for me, my key is always make it funny. Uh, because that that creates arousal um, and encodes that memory. Um, on, on the other hand, on, on the more sad side, that's the same reason why uh, post-traumatic stress disorder works and people remember those traumatic memories because um, they had a traumatic experience that maybe their life was threatened and those memories become very vivid because they were encoded um, because the hippocampus was aroused. So knowing that background, uh, I just find myself rationalizing things like, oh yeah, like this, I can leverage that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just as an example on the neuroscience side. But now maybe you can use, you know. Yeah, we need every trick we can get. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there was this book I regrettably didn't finish reading um, called um, This Is Your Brain on Music. Have you read it? Uh, yeah, Daniel Levitin, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I should go back and read. I ha It's sitting on my on my bookshelf. And I forget what the hell happened, why I didn't finish it. But anyway. I do think that stuff is uh, really interesting because, you know, there's a certain reason why, and like as, you know, composers and musicians, like, we always want to figure out how we can, like, create that connection, you know, how to, like, make mm -hmm. something that's, like, lasting and memorable and, like, um, engaging for our listener. And it's it's all, like, chemicals and, you know, just stuff going on in the brain. So if there's any way to figure out, like, you know, what is going on and what's causing those things, I think it's... It could be really useful for us. Definitely. That's funny you mentioned um, Daniel Levitin's book. That was the first book that inspired me to kind of seriously consider the music psychology route. Oh, no kidding. But it's a good book, yeah. I, I got to go back and read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, very cool. So um, so then you got your master's um, you know, in music, and then how did you transition to doing it? Are you doing it full-time? Um, and if if you are like, how did you transition into that? Yeah, it's um, honestly it fluctuates. Like sometimes I'll be working on a lot of projects, but it's not like oh, this is a full time thing that's like a steady supply. Sometimes you just gotta make it happen and mm -hmm. uh, basically hustle. Um, so and yeah, like that's why also like part of what I do is production. I mean, in the perfect world, you're producing all the time, but for me. Um, and of course, things, and gratefully, I can say that, yeah, I'm scoring like films and all that, um, or doing more audio technology stuff too. Mm -hmm. So um, I find that all, fortunately, is all like very similar for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, the, the knowledge like translates very well between one and the other. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my life right now as for being in the music, in the music audio world. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, well, let's talk a little bit about the um, like the the music you're producing. That's you know for artists as opposed to like for uh, film or anything like that. Um, how would you describe the sound of the of the music you make? Yeah, I, I characterize it as usually it's a little darker. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of it's colorful in that. Uh, yeah, it's it's colorful and dark. Um, I don't try to make it sound that way, but it ends up usually having a tinge of, of those. Um, and percussion is usually a huge part to me. It's always been uh, big for me in general. Um, 
and also to give some context, my mom's from Colombia, South America, my dad from Pakistan. And growing up, just listening to a lot of Colombian traditional music, percussion is huge. Mm -hmm. So that heavily inspired me, and it just kind of um, seeps into what I do. But yeah, yeah, so that's, mm -hmm. that's like kind of my style. Was there a lot of music in your family growing up? Um, my family was not really musical, like they're not trained musicians, but somehow for me, like it just kind of music and sound was a huge thing to me. Mm -hmm. um, but we would always, yeah, we would listen to a lot of different music, like Indian music, Pakistani music, mm -hmm. Colombian music, um, just like a lot of off the wall music. Um, That's good, <laughs> so. you know, it expands your mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, Blackwater. Uh, and I know we have other releases that we can like touch on too, but uh, Blackwater is the one you're currently working on, correct? Yeah, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about um, you know how the song came together? Um, you know what it's about, what the the process was like for creating it. So yeah, Blackwater. Um, the original idea came from Sama Damanhuri, who's the co-founder of Medina Papel. And she approached me to uh, produce the music for it. And we had a draft of the song, which was kind of the chord progression, all that was laid out by Mingan Faskel. She's a singer in Los Angeles, super talented. Um, she goes by the artist named Sibelle. And um, I basically turned that into a full-fledged instrumental with a lot of other things and um, Saudi kind of a Saudi vibe to it, um, instrumentation with like an oud. And um, yeah, we're still we're still creating it, going back and forth and um, crafting more of the lyrics to make it more um, gel together more. So yeah, um, what else? Oh yeah, and then, so Sibel is on there, and then we also have Tommy Shepard. He's a Grammy-nominated vocalist in Oakland. Um, it's also the music director of Alphabet Rockers, who's, they are a, um, they're a, how do you say, a cross-generational um, music group. Okay. And yeah, so it's the, basically the story behind Blackwater is that it's a song about um, the plights that Saudi women face in Saudi Arabia. Uh, a lot of basically a lot of violence that um, and oppression, um, and they don't have they really don't they're not given much freedom um, over their own lives, and uh, in Samal's case, she firsthand experienced a lot of this, and that is the source of inspiration for for the song. Mm -hmm. It's it's important stuff. Like, didn't I heard that they just the the women in Saudi Arabia were just recently allowed to drive maybe it was a different country <laughs> but, but I, I remember hearing that and I'm like what the hell like it's 2019 <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah it, it, it is really crazy over there is is the is the music going to be accompanied by um like a documentary or a music video or is there any other kind of piece to this whole thing or is it just a song you know uh, standalone yeah, so right now the it's a song, and we hope to have a music video shot for it as well. We're in the talks with a few music uh, video directors, um, possibly Patrick Krulonek, but we don't know. Um, Patrick has shot videos for actually Biggie Smalls for NWA, mm -hmm. 
and um, MC Hammer and a lot more. Uh, but we're yeah we're seeing about doing possibly a music video and possibly performing it as well if mm -hmm. once the court time settles. Um, but yeah, so we do we do want to do a lot of things in addition to just releasing the music. Sure. And so so how far along in the process are you guys for um, until you think you can have it released? Maybe about a month, mm -hmm. a month out. So maybe May, late May or June. That's kind of the ballpark right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, you know, obviously you're producing it, but do you have like a hand as far as like the songwriting and, and, and things like that regarding the song? Or are you just, does everyone have like their own role they're, they're filling? Um, yeah, I'm giving a lot of direction on the structure of the song, um, some guidance on lyrics. I feel the lyric writing process, of course, Sibel, she's been writing her own lyrics. Tommy's been writing his own lyrics. Uh, but we also try to all kind of put our heads together and see what works given the aim of it, mm -hmm. which makes the song kind of interesting too, is that there's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like film scoring. It's, there's a director's vision and we're carrying that out. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, um, that's a unique part about this song. But um, yeah, yeah, as for the songwriting, um, I'm giving Sibel a lot of freedom for how she approaches her melodies, um, and she has a great knack for it anyways. Mm -hmm. So, um, But yeah, I've been mostly doing the instrumental work and the arranging. Gotcha. And yeah. um, how, how did you meet these folks? Were they just people you, you knew, or were they um, like brought, brought in the project for, you know, from somewhere else? Um, I knew Samah from scoring her animation, and she brought on the talent. So she actually found Sabelle and uh, knew Tommy Shepard, and that's how we got that's how we got the talent together. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. that typically how it goes when you're producing music for artists, or do you find them on your own? A lot of times, um, I tend, I, yeah, I, I usually work with people that. I know or someone that introduces me to them. I haven't yet really reached out to a lot of people um, outside of that yet, um, but not that I'm like opposed to that. It's just for now it's been working that. Um, I tend to work like within um, kind of the network, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that's, that's how it's been happening for the most part. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, everyone like, has like a different way of where they find the folks they work with or how they get linked up with people. So it's, it's always interesting to hear how that happens. Um, yeah. So we, you, you have this one coming out in the future and there was also another one that just came out like a few weeks ago. Yes. Deserve you. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. Last month on the 27th, we released deserve you and that song uh, that, <laughs> yeah. So deserve you was, a collaboration between the vocalist Belly. She's a friend of mine in Taipei. Well, she's from Malaysia, but um, lives in Taipei. And Aiko Jin, who is a singer now in Los Angeles. And yeah, so the song is bilingual. It's half Mandarin, half English. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. <laughs> yeah, it's it's electronic. It's electronic song, and 
uh, has elements of, I guess you can say, future bass a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a song about pretty much... I have to look at my notes to... Give me a second. Take your time, man. So, oh yeah, so... <clears throat> yeah, Deserve You is, if I were to summarize like what it's about, it's about, say, like a relationship that maybe you've been in and you feel like maybe you're not being respected. Um, and underneath it all, you feel like you deserve something better. So um, pretty much if you feel like you deserve someone that, that respects you. And what I like about it is it's not just like strictly towards romantic relationships, but it could be really any situation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we kind of intentionally left the lyrics vague in some points. Um, but yeah, so it started out really, Echo came over and we were recording some music and I had uh, just a beat laid out an old beat that I made, like just a drum pattern. And I had the mic set up, and she started singing. And she sung basically what is Deserve You. And it was like, wow, this is actually, this is great. She's um, like, make it up on the fly? She wrote it before, so, oh, okay. but she had it memorized. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, I just went ahead and crafted an instrumental around it. Okay. But it, there was, yeah, there was a lot um, that happened after that. So a lot of revisions of the beat and what you hear in verse two is actually completely different than what it used to be. Mm -hmm. So that's why the song took like almost, I think it was two and a half years oh, wow. in the making uh, until we finally released it. Do most of the singles you put out take this long? No, that was, that was the longest it took. Mm -hmm. um, that, that was probably honestly the, one of the much more difficult songs I've made. But yeah, usually it's a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. Difficult in that it just took a long time to do and like get everyone agreeing on the same page, or, or was there other things that, were, that made it challenging? Oh, there, yeah, there were other things too. Um, so since Aiko is also a film composer, she got kind of busy and had to move to Los Angeles, um, and that kind of made things difficult for us to continue collaborating on the song. So I made a production choice of having a different uh, vocalist on verse two um, in a different language. So Eiko is actually, she's from China, um, and we were toying with the idea of having it bilingual. Um, so I decided, yeah, let's do that. Um, so yeah, so then actually I ended up flying to Taipei and um, getting Bell on board, and we recorded verse two in Taipei. So. That introduced some issues too. Like we had different mics, different setups, and mm -hmm. um, I mixed and mastered the song as well. So that was quite a bit of work to get those different vocals to to match the 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 um, just the timbre, timbrely. But they, they were um, two different singers, though, right? Two different singers, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's easier to get away with than if it's the same singer. On two different from two different sessions, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that can be that can be. Um, fortunately, it's, it was a little bit easier in this case, but mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> um, and here's a question that just came to mind. So sometimes, like, I'll be working on a session with someone, and a couple weeks go by, and then we, 
it'll fall off or just like interest starts to go or other projects pop up, you know, whatever. How do you keep, um, you know, momentum going and like interest between everyone involved over the course of two and a half years? Yeah, it's tough. Um, there were definitely times where the song was just kind of on the back burner because mm-hmm. um, it wasn't practical to like continue with it and there were other projects. So, um, yeah, the way it worked was really that it was in maybe two or so stages where Echo's part was basically done. And then I revisit it uh, after I have like fresh ideas and then I was like, okay. Um, then there was the whole bell recording verse. So it had like these different... Like, yeah, there's different stages to the whole song, and there were definitely parts where it just laid dormant and then kind of came back, uh, was resuscitated, and finally finished, yeah. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've had those two where I'll start a track, it just sits on my hard drive, and then a couple of years later, someone's like, oh, like, I would like to write to this. And then they take it and turn it into something else, and then it, like, changes to something else entirely. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's never really a timeline for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, aside from, you know, having, you know, taking a bit of time to get the whole thing put together, um, what are you, you know, guys planning on doing to market and promote the song? Um, or maybe what did you guys do, you know, before it came out? Um, and, and also, you know, after it's been released. So, um, yeah, I usually kind of, I'm usually hands off on the marketing part and I let the artist do, um, go about that the way they usually go about it. So, um, yeah, pretty much Belle was promoting the song through her channels, um, as well as Aiko. Um, but yeah, for me, I usually, I'm kind of hands off, mm-hmm. uh, on social media. Usually I kind of have minimal involvement on it, but um, yeah, so I, I don't really, like, I didn't really do too much on that part mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I mean, most of the, most of the folks I have on are, um, like, artists, so they, they have to do it on their own, if, unless they have, like, management or representation or something. Um, and, and, you know, regarding Blackwater, is it the same kind of situation where the production company is going to be handling, you know, pushing it and getting it to people's ears? Yeah, Blackwater, we have a much bigger team for this project. So fortunately, we have the support of the whole Medina Papel team. And we're growing our team right now. So we're going to have more of a marketing strategy, um, as well as just how it's going to tie into other media, like the music video production part of it. Um, But yeah, so we're still in production, of course. Um, But yeah, we're going to be looking more into how to market it also mm-hmm. when we release this one. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely nice to have a team doing this stuff. And I'm the same way. I'm pretty bad with social media and, like, <laughs> promoting stuff and, you know, putting, bringing marketing out and creating content. Um, yeah, it can be like a, it can be a full-time job. For like, real, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be on it all day. Um, and, like, it's tough, too, because those all those sites are so good at just like keeping you sucked into the timeline you know mm-hmm. you'll go to like try and work and the next thing you know you're like looking at cat videos you, like, yeah the- it's well designed well designed <laughs> mm-hmm. your attention um anyway so you know now, now that we're all 
been on quarantine, what, what are some things you've had to do to kind of pivot or change course now that we can't go out and see people anymore? Has it been much yeah. of a change in your day to day? Um, so actually, yeah, one of the biggest things is, um, right before the quarantine, I moved here and I'm in Sacramento right now. Um, so getting used to this area, it's much more spaced out. Um, I, I kind of miss San Francisco, but other than that, my routine has always been very much just like in the studio working on stuff. So that hasn't been affected too much. Um, but yeah, things like, of course, like going to the gym, it's exactly, it's a huge part of being productive for me is oh, like, me too. this is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've had to make some adjustments on that and just like, uh, alternative exercise. But fortunately, yeah, my routine hasn't been affected too much. I just had to kind of get in the groove being in a different city for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, as far as like, productivity links to exercise and working out it's like it's good for your body it's good for your mind it gets the endorphins pumped pumping you know yeah we went like so i usually go to like a boxing gym to train and but that's been shut down now so i can't uh, which is like really intense you know really um like high intensity training really Mm. um so like switching from doing that to nothing has been a bit of a uh of of a struggle uh, but we recently started doing P90X <laughs> in our living room. Oh, I've never tried it, but I know of it, yeah. It's all right. Uh, Tony Horton, the guy that like does the whole training, he's pretty corny. Oh. <laughs> okay. But it's fine. It's good to get you know get moving and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, well, okay. So, it sounds like things aren't too, too, too different. Uh, I'm in a similar boat. I work from home, so – and I'm in the studio all the time. So, like, it's not – too out of the ordinary for me um but aside from that what's the future look like for you what's the next month or six months a year look like yeah um yes a lot of like sound projects and audio projects music projects um so getting yeah basically getting progress on those that's been like one of the primary things right now on my plate um there is, yeah, there's other business ideas as well that I've been working on for a while uh, related to music and, uh, for lack of a better phrase, music technology. Um, so that's been in the works for a while. Um, and I am actually kind of looking for people to, to build a team for that. Um, and I have kind of a team right now. It's two of us. But, um, and, yeah, actually, on that note, um, there's a really talented composer that I've kind of been partnering with. His name's Jared Emanuel. Um, he lives in Oakland as well, and we've been teaming up on projects. Um, so a little bit like with a Korean singer right now. Um, but yeah, so him and I have been working on some stuff that I guess for now I can't talk too much about, but um, that is part of also, yeah, on, on the plate. So. Mm-hmm. And are you planning on staying in Sacramento for an extended period of time, or do you think you'll make your way back to the Bay Area? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get back to the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> no, no hate against the Sacramento. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do plan on going back to, to San Francisco when 
when things open up. Mm-hmm. How how bad was it over there? Like, was it getting really shady? Is that why you left, or did you just want to get close uh, to home? Um, things at the time I left San Francisco weren't bad, um, but just more of like a precaution. I decided, um, of course, family also because I'm here with family. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just wanted us all to be close and. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but now things in San Francisco, I believe, are okay, from what I hear from people over there, so nothing too crazy, it seems. Yeah, hopefully this is all over sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, cool, so, um, you know, I think this is probably a good place to wrap up. Can you uh, remind everyone um, where they can find your music, um, you know, where you are, where you spend time on social media, and what your handles are? Yeah, so uh, of course you can find my work on Spotify if you just look up Off Top Huffies. And um, if you just also I have a website, that's kind of my main hub really. Um, OffTopHuffies.com. Uh, have a SoundCloud, RollBD, just R O L L B D. And same with my Instagram if you just look up Off Top, um, I think it's OffTop.geno, G E N O, dot Huffies. Um, then yeah, Facebook also, just uh, look up off top of fees, roll BD, and you can find me on those. Very cool. Um, all right, well, cool. Yeah, I think this is, this has been great, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, go over your story with us and tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, thank you again for having me. Um, hope you stay safe <laughs> in the meantime. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just inside, just uh, not working out enough and getting fat, so I think I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right, cool, man. Well, thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of About to Drop. For more info, please go to our page, www.vertigomusic, that's V-R-T-I-G-O music.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to follow and subscribe to us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Thanks and see you soon.